This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down. Real quick, if you're following us on YouTube, Facebook, anything like that, give us a like, give us some shares, You know, follow if you're on the tube. Uh, we appreciate everybody and all of our listeners. Uh, just me this week, no co-host. Uh, letting Dan do his thing. You know, Drew's being a daddy, taking care of the baby. Uh, figured I'd just do a little uh, solo show. I, I I don't mind it at all. I actually enjoy it kind of. Uh, but this one's gonna when this one airs on Wednesday, uh, we will be me and Brian will be headed down to Florida to do a little fishing at the KBF event. So everybody wish us luck. And then uh, next the week after, we will be doing a like a recap show on here. Talk about that. Have the winners. Maybe it's us. You never know. But uh, what we got going on this week is uh, we wanted to take a step back and check out the uh, Dugout Bait and Tackle uh, championship event they had that went in conjunction with the online series they started in October that ran uh, up through January. So, uh, you know, without further ado, we got the man that took home the win in the online series, Mr. Josh Little. What's going on? Not a whole lot, man. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. I appreciate you hopping on with me this evening and uh, telling us how late Lanier went, man. But uh, before we get into that, man, tell us a little about yourself. Um, more or less born and raised in Georgia. I got into the kayak side back in 2018. Um, I had tried it once or twice and wouldn't, didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And from there, 
dove off the deep end, started fishing some of the tournaments. And I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I like the competition, but also I like traveling around and fishing different lakes and learning new bodies of water. And it just kind of, it all worked together, being able to do a little bit of everything. So that was kind of where I, I started making that venture. And last year I jumped off and fished with MLF as a co-angler for the Phoenix series here in Georgia with the Bulldog Division. So that's been, been a lot of fun too. But this year I think I'm going to focus more on the kayak this year uh, than I did last year. Last year I, I fished all the tournaments for the MLF series. Um, and it was fun, but it was just – it. It's different because you can't pre-fish anything from a sense of going out with the boater. Yeah. Uh, you're paired up with the boater the night before and just you get to go out there and try to catch a fish off the back of someone's boat. So I like the kayak side a lot better, I think. Oh, definitely. So, I, 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 the the co-angler thing does interest me. I'd like to do it a couple of times because I do think it's fun, especially, you know, like when the back boater is the guy that figures it out. I don't know. You can kind of just like hold your head high, you know. Yeah. But yeah. uh but yeah, no, uh, I definitely feel you on the kayak thing. Well, uh, speaking of that, so what's, what's your plans? Are you going to like focus solely on a local trail this year or are you going to hit some national stuff, you know, follow one or more multiple series? What's your plans? Uh, so it's going to be kind of a multiple, I guess you'd say. Um, the first one I'm going to be fishing is with the Georgia Bass Nation at Lake Follow on February 26th and going to fish some of the Hobies. We're going to be at Santee. And then we'll be back at Ufala, and then we're definitely going to fish Chickamauga. So I'm going to make sure to fish all three of those. And then there's a couple of local trails that I'll fish as well. And it's kind of a pick and choose with the local trails. Really just depends on the body of water, mixture between time, and then also with work, just make sure it all kind of works out. Um, but I, I may fish a few of the KBF events, but um, I really like the way that Hobie does their events. I think they do a great job. And then Bass, looking forward to their first full year of really diving into it and having multiple tournaments with the state of Georgia this year. So, yeah. going to try to look at everything. I I hear you. Is there um even though you picking and choosing in locals, is there like a local club that you consider like your home club that you like kind of stick with more than anything, or you just kind of float? A lot of it depends on the body of water, but I would say the best one in Georgia. I think that that I have found that I like the best is the peach state kayak anglers. Mm-hmm. They run a great trail, uh, a lot of great guys there. Um, they give you a real good feel for going into a tournament. No questions as far as, Hey, when are we supposed to be out of the water? Things like that. I mean, they're very cut and dry. This is about how it is. And this is the way it is. Um, and yeah. And I'll fish some with the TVK as well. I think they do a great job out there in Tennessee. Um, that's another one yeah, of my Steve, favorite ones to fish. Steve-O does great at just about anything he's got his hand on. Uh, he's yeah. a great tournament director, runs that club real well. And, you know, the, the dugout online series has been a huge hit, you know, and I'm sure that that's probably 95% him if it's not 100% him doing all of that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I hit TVK every now and then when I can, cause they come down here to Gunnersville. I'm yeah. over here in Alabama. So I try to, try to go swing around with the Tennessee hammers a little bit when they come down here. It hadn't worked out too well so far, but <laughs> you know, I'll get it figured out one of these days. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so talking about the online series, uh, I'll let you break it down for 
people outside of our area because this podcast gets listened to all over this country and uh, 71 other countries. So, you know, That's give awesome. everybody a rundown of what uh, the Dugouts online series was this year. So this year they really opened up for multiple states, um, kind of the southeast, I guess you'd say, more focused. But it allowed anybody that was fishing multiple events, whether it be bat- with bass or with Hobie or with the KBF, you can fish the online series as well if you were in any of those states. And more or less it's a month-long tournament. They would pull a qualification for the championship round every week. And then they would pull a total of a few at the end of the month for your top your top tier guys that were there. Uh, and they ran that through um, October, November, and December. And this year, with there being a lot more guys that were involved, you've seen some really big bags across the board. And I, and I really knew that the fact that Alabama and Florida, I mean, there's big bags there all the time. But we, we actually had a guy from, I believe it was North Carolina. He had them was 24 inches for one of the tournaments, which was just a monster of a bass. And I, I wasn't anticipating that from North Carolina. But, right. uh, <laughs> I mean. Well, they they it, were raising it, that fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was surprised. But it's a lot of fun because they do weekly giveaways. It's a $30 buy-in. You can fish it any day you want to. It's just your top five. And they use Tourney X, so it allows you to, to, well, more or less for Tourney X to coal or however you want to do it. But every Sunday they pull the top guys, and then they also do a drawing of 25 winners every week. So everybody was getting stuff anyways for the most part. But I think every month we had more than 95 people that were involved uh, between the three months. And these giveaways, folks, for everybody that's listening, you know, the dugout bait and tackle, uh, it's a you know high end tackle store. You know they they carry all the nice nice goodies, and they don't they don't go light on the giveaways. They gave away a nice reel every week. They gave away uh, Dakota Lithium. Yeah, Dakota yeah. Lithium. I think they did gift cards. I can't remember if that was yeah. last. They did that again because I know they did in the winter series, but yeah, just tons the winter of stuff. Series, yeah. And I mean it was worth it. Like last year, I entered it. I never fished. I, you know, but it was. <laughs> I think out of the three months, I think I won three times. So when you get all these baits in from some of these companies, it beats your total that you spent putting in. So it was worth the giveaways. Yeah. And then, and like they draw, uh, like like you might draw that you know like a fifty to a hundred that hundred dollar battery or however much that Dakota is. I mean, it's just worth the yeah. chance. And I won't be surprised if they expand it again next year because I mean it's been a success because last year it was the winter series is the way it was kind of marketed um same thing this year it was just a lot bigger but uh yeah give us a little rundown on uh so what they did was as he said from october to january you know it was kind of an ongoing tournament and then there were weekly winners but it also there is a championship at the end of it that you qualified for so how did that work if you want to explain that a little bit so more or less every month they they pull more or less a total of ten people from each month. So between October, November, December, and then those thirty fish in January at a random drawn lake. This year it just happened to be linear, and I actually missed qualification. I think back in October that was my largest bag, and just barely missed qualifying for it. 
well, there was a roll down for one of the guys that could not fish, and I picked the roll down slot. So that allowed, and they do it based off a of month. They don't just do it off of total. They just allow you to, more or less, from each month they'll start from October and kind of go back. So yeah. that that's how they they qualify. Those are you get qualification is through those months from each tournament. Awesome. Well, you talk about something that worked out in your favor. Get wow. get slid in on a roll down and then take everybody. Yes. Take it, man. That's awesome. Well, um, so as you said, it was on Lake Lanier out there in Georgia. So give us a rundown. I know how Lake Lan- what Lake Lanier is like. I want to fish it so bad, but I just haven't made. It. I was trying to get get out that way when Craig Dye was out there all the time and living out that direction. Yeah. And now he he's done moved over here to Alabama and texted me and was like, "So when when are we going to Gunnersville?" So. I guess I'll show him <laughs> our nasty grass lakes out here. But uh, yep. tell us all about Lake Lanier. Um, so when I found I qualified. Hold on. I'm going to write the time down. I lost your audio. I don't hear you. You hear me now? I do. Give me okay. one second. We'll say eleven thirty. Okay, there we go. So right. you, you can just start um, off like I just asked you the question. Okay. So I found out Tuesday night that I actually qualified for the the championship round, and Lake Lanier is probably one of my favorite lakes to fish locally, anyways. But I didn't have any time to pre-fish. Going into it, I kind of anticipated the water being in the high 40s. Get out there, and water temps were 54 mid-lake where I was fishing at. Um, and and what I based it off of is when I fished one of the, the MLF tournament last year, some of the areas that we hit, it was – the fish were just there. And the conditions were kind of the same. It was a cold morning, a lot of wind, rain that was anticipating moving in uh, and it was coming in later that day but the winds were right around 15 miles an hour and it was one of those that i knew i was gonna have to get on main lake to go up to this area it was about a mile and a half two miles up the lake and honestly i just i knew there was fish there last year and was hoping that based off of those conditions that the fish would just maintain and kind of stay in that area. I know there's spotted bass, and I know they move, but there's a lot of a lot of structure there, a lot of places that they can more or less get away from the wind, get away from uh, anything they need to. There's deep water, good ditches in the area. So for me, it just kind of made sense just to go there. It was kind of so, all or nothing. Right. So as a rundown for the lake, Lake Lanier is you know deeper, clear lake typically, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your visibility is generally anywhere from eight foot and more, depending on the location that you're fishing. So that's crazy. Yeah. And it's different because I fish Alatuna a lot, which is on the other side, and it, it fishes a lot dirtier. And it's, uh, excuse me. Sorry about that. The. Um, the um, more or less well i'll hang out a second let him get that handle so 
more or less right now we are staying in a camper as our house is being built. So oh. this is, yeah, it's a little hectic right now to say the least. Oh no, I understand. We've actually debated on getting rid of our house for a camper. Yeah, and I think it's an absolutely crazy idea, but I still kind of want to do it. Two two dogs, me, the wife, my daughter. It's probably a terrible idea, but I don't know why I'm attracted to it. I really enjoy it, but with two boys and the three dogs, it makes it slight bit difficult to say the least. So, um, but we're we're looking forward to to the house being done. Just just a couple more months, and we'll be out of here. So, heck yeah. Um, well, it's kind of cool if you're going traveling fishing tournaments. You can just take your house with you. Yeah, yeah, that part would be nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Load up, fam. We're out. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Um, and, and honestly, originally it was like, man, we could after the house is done, we can we can keep this and just use this for the tournaments. But uh, all the guys can stay here and not worry about anything. So because it'll. Yeah. it'll sleep like 10 people so it, it's a fairly large one but um the dogs make it feel small to say the least so, <laughs> i've got one small dog and one medium-sized dog and it makes my house feel like this big and i don't understand it like how how can 150 pounds no 110 pounds total of two dogs be everywhere all the time <laughs> there's hair everywhere all the oh, time dude, dude. yeah <laughs> i understand we- we have a shepherd, and she is um, she, she's by far the worst when it comes to shedding. And she weighs maybe seventy pounds, but then we have a Mal mix. He's he's massive. He's like one hundred twenty pounds, um, and it, it's a um, he's he looks like a wolf. It's more or less what he is. He's like a wolf dog. Um, yeah, and then we've got a pit. So. None of them are small, <laughs> but, I feel um, you. but yeah, so anyway, so Lake Lanier, yeah, comparing it to Lake Altoona, it, it's completely different. Lake Altoona does have some clear water, but the fish are a lot smaller. Um, most of the water is a lot dirtier and then you go down here and there's been days that, I mean, you can see 12 foot down and it's like, you know the fish are just staring at you the whole time, so That's cool. um, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it because I think it is you have to learn to fish it differently, um, yeah. and it's the biggest reason I had to learn how to fish a drop shot was because of that lake. So uh, that's which what is I've always thought. Something that I've, I've added. I'm, I, I might be able to go there and figure it out relatively quick, is because I love the drop shot already. You know, I throw Do you really? all kind of. Oh yeah, I, a buddy of mine in Tennessee got me turned on to it. I mean that, you know, watching Greg Blanchard videos and Greg Blanchard is like, he was, when I first started watching Greg two or three years ago, I mean, he still throws it all the time now, but that was like his thing, man. Drop shots and frogs. That's what he watched his YouTube for. But, uh, I got on that, uh, for a winter deal and, you know, up here on Wheeler Lake. And that was the only thing you could catch fish with was a drop shot, you know, in this small trailer. And now I just make like, like we're going to Florida and I know that probably doesn't sound like it, but it will be tied on just because that sometimes you can just force them to eat it. Like, you know, uh, instead of rigging it like normal, man, I've like played with throwing wacky rigs on the drop shot and it just yeah. gives it like a suspended wacky profile. It's just different. I mean, it works, but anyway, I love the drop shots. So I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I throw a haze dong on the, uh, on a drop shot, just the mega bass haze dong. 
Yeah. And I've tried the worm and I've caught some on a worm, but I, I catch more fish on that haze dong. I happen to have one of those right there. <laughs> yep. There I you go. Thrown, I threw a little some of those on a drop shot. I haven't had any success, but I've been throwing this on the back of chatterbaits. And it, it seems overkill, but I'll just like cut the head off. Yeah. But it's just got it's got a little bit less of a thump than some baits and a little more thump than others. So it's like a just yeah. something different. A little thinner profile. Yeah. Give it a little track. That's more like the easy shiner. That the Kaiser yes. Easy Shiner. That's something I've had Never. luck with on the drop shot. Really? I haven't yeah, tried the, it on the, the drop shot yet. I the need to. little bitty easy shiners. The like two and a half or two, two. and a quarters. Yeah. yeah. They're they were money. Hmm. It, it, you know, I nothing compares to a good old uh Robo worm for me. Yeah. yeah. The Robo worms like the bread and butter, Aaron's morning dawn. But uh those uh those easy shiners. I, I got you know as a tactical bassin trick I, I took away from one of their videos and was like, Why not? We'll buy something else. They told me it works. Yeah. So, um, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you said the morning dawn. I've had very little success with morning dawn and I don't know why. Makes no sense because I see people catch a fish on it all the time. You know, and that that's me with a lot of natural colors. Like guys will throw like green pumpkin, like a green pumpkin worm with a chartreuse tip, or they'll get some of them like uh, the KVD ones that come in like the ghost minnow and stuff. That yeah, uh, what do they call those? Easy drop, dream drop, whatever it is. Dream, and, uh, yeah. I cannot get bit with anything that looks like it should get bit, but I'll throw that Aaron's morning dawn, and then I've got. Uh, morning dawn and chartreuse and that's just the money for some reason. I don't know why. Man, I've tried four crazy. and a half, six and a half, they all work, but that but you know, like when I grew up, like all the old men threw bubblegum pink worms, you know, and yeah. Makes no sense to me, but whatever. It works. <laughs> that's what I started with. With yeah. bubblegum trick worm. That was have no idea why. But it worked. Yeah. No, I so. feel that. some some stuff, yeah, you just don't question it. If it, yeah, like I got away from fishing, came back to fishing, you know, I was away from fishing for like a little over 10 years, you know, didn't have any more stuff. And just like last year, that bubblegum pink popped in my head and I bought a pack of bubblegum pink Senkos and like me feeling like I've kind of grown up and I'm a little more of adult fisherman now. I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. It's not natural colored blah. First cast of that, I caught a fish and I was like, God, okay. <laughs> Still works. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. But yeah, That's but, awesome. uh, so yeah, Lake Lanier's clear, got a lot of visibility, and it, it's primarily spotted bass, right? That's definitely like the major winner there, yeah. typically. Uh, so give us, uh, trying to think of another way we can get into Lake Lanier. So is it a fairly large lake, you know, lots of access points, or was everybody kind of congested around each other? How was it? No, so actually, Lake Lanier is probably one of the largest lakes around in our area, and there's a a whole bunch of boat ramps that you can put in at, and I mean, you could be at the back end of the creek, and there's a boat ramp there, and then at the very front, as you start about the main lake, there's one there, and it seems like it's that way all over the place. So, I knew there was a couple of ramps that were going to have bass boat tournaments going out of it, and this this area actually i was like well no one shows that there's a tournament going out of there so this one should work well um i get there pull up it was somewhere around 6 30 and there was probably 15 boats there already 
that were bass boats and they were fishing a tournament out of there. So I was like, well, all right, I mean, no big deal is what it is. Uh, try to give them the space that they need so they can get in the water and everything. But we had three other kayaks that put it in there. And you know, I knew all three guys, so it was good. But they were headed in a completely different direction than I was going. So it just, for me, it was like, well, I'm going to head up that way and just kind of go on my gut feeling and head oh, yeah, that's that way. Cool. So. Yeah, that's a, you know, I hear a lot of people, like, when uh, local level, like, people getting into tournament fishing, you know, like, they definitely worry about congestion. You know, you a lot of folks see bass boats and get deterred. You know, like, you know, just a, a good tip, and you said it, man, you were talking about, like, you were checking to see what ramps had tournaments coming out of them. That's something a lot of people don't even think about doing, because I'm guilty of it. You know, I've, we've had a tournament on Gunnersville before, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the right time of year blah 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 didn't think about checking my spot show up and there's like 45 boats in a line waiting to get in and yeah i can get in the water still you know i can go put in off the bank or whatever but i mean you you're right there when blast off happens and they're fishing out of that yeah. ramp and it's and like in like i don't know about your area but my area where the ramp is is a pretty congested area so it can get you know hairy you know if you don't you're not used to it and then, you know, peace of mind, like you said, you more kayak folks get there, but you know them, you know, it. that kind of sets my mind at ease, too, when I know well, me and you aren't, you know, competing for water. So it, that's yeah. definitely a, one of those whew, moments where you're like, all right, you know, I can get in and go do my thing and not have to worry about yeah. these dudes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh yeah, and it's it, the bass boat. The biggest reason I think about it is because I know them. They get frustrated right off the right off the rip if they see kayaks pulling up and they've got a bass boat tournament going on there. Like I know in the back of their head, they're like, "Great, these guys are going to hold us up. They're going to cause issues." Um, and I just wheel my kayak down the ramp every time. I'm not going to back it down just due to the fact that it, for me, it's a lot easier to unload it, wheel it down to the water, just jump in it and take off. Um, it's heavier. But at the same time, I'm not sitting in a ramp or next to a ramp. And, and we've had it happen before where guys will back down, they'll put the kayak in, and they'll sit it right on the ramp or outside the ramp. And these guys on the bass boats, some know that, hey, I can still back down. And then other guys are just, they'll sit there and they'll wait. They'll, they'll think that just because the kayak's right there that they, they can't back down. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I definitely, you know, for people listening, don't be that guy that blocks the ramp. Please don't. No one likes you yeah. when you block the ramp. And, you know, like you said, sometimes you'll be out of the way and the boaters still hold up just because what I've done in the past is because, like, we had, like, three of us off to the side, and this is, like, a double ramp, and this guy would not back down. You know, he was, like, looking at us like, it's our fault. And I kind of smarted off and was like, what, you can't back your trailer down? Do you need me to do it for you? And then he backed down. Don't do that either, because that's terrible advice. But I was just mad at that point. Like, you got 15 yeah. feet between me and the other dock. If you can't get that boat down there, you probably shouldn't be, you know, owning that bass yeah. boat. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of those guys, they're just mad because we catch fish better than they do. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. So, yeah. Well, uh, so you didn't have any time pre-fishing. You... Have a, you're you're actually doing something you hear a lot of people say don't you were fishing history right you know yes based off of a previous tournament a year ago so uh well tell us about what happened man how how did it go like uh give us a layout of what the conditions were like when you started uh like pre-frontal was it already raining as it was coming in or how was it going so i anticipated for the rain to come in a lot earlier but it actually didn't uh which is Kind of what shocked me, because um, with Georgia, you just you never know. They'll say, "Hey, you're not going to see rain until five, and then it's going to show up at seven o'clock that morning." Um, I, we live next door to you. I understand these weather yeah. patterns that don't exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we put in. I knew that it was going to be cold, and knew that the wind was already there. But I swear, every time I get to the water, the wind's at least ten more miles faster than it was when I was on the road. At least it's the way it feels. Um, so I get out there and just kind of started making my way up towards the, uh, the spot that I was headed towards. And I guess about halfway up, I, I started getting some weird noise out of my drive and Uh-oh. I'm in the Hobie 360 and I just, I was like, okay, it hadn't happened before, but I've had it a year and I haven't had a first issue with it. So it was just squeaking. I was like, okay, well, that's not, that's not not crazy it's mechanical something's gonna squeak i mean whatever so i continued to head up there and then it was like you hit the incline button on the treadmill and it just Ugh. started slowing down and it just got louder so but i was already like 35 40 minutes into my trip up to this area i was like i'm not going back like if it breaks it breaks i'm, I'm too far in now um so i just I continued to head up, and wind, of course, was blowing into my face the whole way. So that of course. made it worse. Yeah. Um, but I get up before I get into the pocket that I was looking for. I cast into the bank, and I was still in a spinnerbait on my way up this area. And because the wind was blowing into it, I mean, it just it looked perfect. A lot of rocks, not the first thing. So I, I picked up a jig head with a little easy shiner on it. First cast up there one hit it takes off with it and it comes off so i was like all right well at least i know that there's fish i'm I'm, there's fish here um so i just continued up to the pocket and when i get up into the pocket cast a drop shot and i was throwing a haze dong caught the first one Uh, it was not a big it was 15 and a half inches and then as i was going around one of the docks I see just a massive school sitting in a ditch. So I, I cast that kayak out there and started bringing it back over. Get you see hit. it on your electronics or because it yeah. was so clear you looked down and saw it? <laughs> I've seen it on the electronics, yeah. That's what I figured. Uh, on my side imaging, yeah. Now, what um, electronics are you running? I'm running a Lorentz. It's an HDS Live. Nice. So I'm, I don't have the active target. It's, it's just a Live. Um, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I, I know that it's probably something that I should get because you, we're kind of in the stages now where you have to have the panoptics or the active target to compete with some of the other guys that really know how to use it and get it honed in. 
That's um, that's definitely something. You know, there's been talk about it in the industry, you know, about I mean, everybody's heard it, should it be allowed and stuff like that. Is it an advantage? It is a tool. Uh, you know, you can look yeah. at it both ways that like you like you kind of said it's not that you have to have one to compete. You have to have one to compete against the guys that know how to use it. Because once yeah. you dial in what it, cause you know, like, uh, uh, Robert Weicker actually, me and him were talking about it. Cause he's got live scope that I was debating on buying from him. And he was like, man, that's a great tool. He's like, but you will sit and waste time on fish that just are not biting that day, you know, because you get so caught up into being able to see them and try and force them to bite. So there's, there's all sorts of advantages and disadvantages. That's a whole other show. We won't get into that. Oh, I, I feel you though. It's it's kind of that's one of the reasons I'm like I want it, but at the same time, I, you take the chance of like you said, you're just gonna sit there and look for something that I mean may or may not work for you. Well, um, what finally like turned me away from it? Because I mean, do I think it'd be a fantastic tool? I could learn, yeah, but. I want to learn to effectively use, you know, traditional sonar down inside imaging, like to the best of my ability. Like some of these people, like uh, like Tom Kazmierski and Adam Riser yeah. and stuff like that, that can really run a graph. Like I feel like if I go straight to live scope before I'm really dialed in on that, I kind of am skipping a step. It, it, to me, it almost feels yeah. like you're cutting that learning curve off. You know, kind of cheating, not cheating, but cheating yourself out of. Like I, I want to learn the harder end of it before I take out the easy piece, you know? Yeah. Well, I ran, um, my first graph I ran for a while. It was just a, an elite TI with no side imaging, just trying to fully understand how graph works and then picked up the, uh, the other one. And, um, it was kind of a, Hey, I'm still going to, I'm still going to focus on these, but I really need to work on my side imaging, understanding the side imaging, what I'm looking at, and that's what I'm going through now is because I can see fish on there, but then there's other times where I'm like, is that, is that really a fish or what, what am I looking at here? Um, and most of the time it's whenever they're just, they're sitting and uh, mm-hmm. you see the small shadows and things like that. So that, that's something that I'm trying to work on. Um, yeah. F- fish identification on side imaging is something I'm still working on too. But I was like you, I started with a Ray Marine dragonfly and it didn't have side imaging. So you're doing traditional sonar and down scan, which is great still. But yeah, I stepped up to a element nine. I had a hummingbird and all that stuff, but I stepped up to an element nine and with side imaging. And that was the graph that really like gives you a piece of the puzzle. You didn't realize you didn't have, Yeah, you know, when you, when you identify something on, you know, for any of our, you know, listeners that are just maybe, you know, getting into electronics, you know, when you identify something on your chirp, and you see it on your down scan, you can identify where exactly, because, you know, it's a cone, but you can use that side scan to identify where you need to cast. I mean, it tells you, exactly. like, if you see it, you're like, oh, 35 foot to my left, you know? And uh, it was a huge piece of the puzzle. And, I, you know, now I'm working on, and when we had Riser on, I think Adam Riser on last time, he was talking about it, being able to identify, like, you know that that is a bass, that's probably a catfish. That is a carp. You know, that's yeah. like my next step is to try and understand that. Cause right now I'm just like, I think that's a fish. I'm going to throw a bait at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I can't tell you like the first time I was talking, uh, like just on a jigging spoon with uh, just down imaging. It was like, why are they not hitting it? 
and then you get the side imaging and you're like, yeah, because you're 20 feet away from it. Exactly. Like, why, why don't you head that way a little bit? So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big deal for me. And I'm, I'm trying to just kind of kick back and be like, look, you're not buying it, not to you fully understand how to use what you have now. Um, I feel you on that, man. And it also makes my pocketbook feel better because that's a pricey investment. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that's like the downside you already to get it. the expensive unit, and then you got to get basically a second expensive unit for that expensive unit. But yep. oh, now, yeah. it'll be cool. Like, I definitely, I try to play it in my mind like, yeah, but you could use it for crappie fishing. Ain't no cheating the crappie fishing. You're eating the crappie. <laughs> so, ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we'll we'll get back to it. So you uh you scanned over, found some laying in the ditch. Yeah. So what happened? Um, caught the decent one. It was um it was a seventeen, I believe, cast out there. And as soon as I caught that one, it it was like it woke up the entire school. Um, those fish started firing and just chasing bait top water, and. Oh. I mean, yeah, and they wouldn't hit a like they're not gonna hit a top water bait. I threw a jerk bait to see if they'd hit that. But the Kitech was just kind of the the go to. I mean, they would hit that every time you threw it in there at them. Um but it they would come up very sporadic, they'd bust and then they'd dive back down. And that area I just kind of I'd work and kind of chase the more or less the school around in that area as they would move around the, the ditch. Up. Yeah, um, and I think by somewhere around like nine forty-five, I, I had eighty-three inches, and I was I was feeling pretty good at that point. Just saying, okay, hey, I've come out here, no no time to prefish. I've got eighty three inches. Winter, you know, like yeah, it, I feel good about it. And it was a no matter what how it turns out, I feel good about how the day turned out so far. Um, and from like ten o'clock until probably it was from 10 until one o'clock i didn't catch anything like 12 i think it was like 12:57 was the last fish that i caught for the day but i had worked that ditch and it was like they moved completely like i searched the entire ditch couldn't find them and i could see them on my graph up on some of the docks but it was um more or less like a it wasn't like your standard dock. It was like more like a marina style dock. And there's a couple of boats on it. And you could see them up underneath it, but you could not. You couldn't get them to do anything. Um, so I ran up to a couple of other more or less little creeks with some bitches in it to look for anything. And, and and, at this point, is your drive still pedaling kind of uphill? Yeah. And it like the noise never even went away. It was just there. Um, and... Uh, uh, in the back of my head, it was like, maybe maybe they're leaving because your drive is so loud. that uh, <laughs> It's a warning they, they sign as you you're coming, coming in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I bet your legs so were I, cooked if you'd been chasing that oh, school man. around, too. Yeah, it was um, – I definitely felt it that day. So, But I went up and checked a couple more ditches, and there was nothing there. So I was like, well, I'm going to go back, and maybe they're, maybe they're there now again. Maybe they've kind of – They've noticed, hey, he's not here casting at us now. We can move back out. Um, so I went back in, and I caught an 18-and-a-half on a drop shot. And that was at 12.57. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they were sitting in, like, 30 foot. Oh. Um, yeah. So from there, it was kind of a, 
all right, this is one. I've got two and a half hours left. Maybe we can get a couple more because I had a 15 and a half that I just did not get rid of. Um, but at that point, I think I had 88 and a quarter. And honestly, in the back of my mind, like Tom was fishing the tournament. He was right behind me the whole time. Dylan Lowry was there fishing as well. Uh, both of those guys are hammers. And, uh, I mean, there's a couple of guys that were fishing it that were just – they're either a going to come in the front really heavy or they're going to come in at the back end very heavy. And I mean, there wasn't that much of a gap between us that was like, Oh, I'm far enough ahead that I felt comfortable. It was like, Hey, these guys catch three 17 inch fish. They're, they're beating me. Right. So, uh, it was never a comfortable spot. And then I guess that, that last hour where they cut the board off, it was just kind of a, I would say that was probably one of the, the most stressful points. Cause it was like, I'm not catching any fish. Here they come. <laughs> yeah. Here they yeah. come. You know, that there's going to be some moving. Um, and then from there, of course, they don't release, uh, I think they had until four o'clock to submit fish. So it was just another one back in my head. It was like, don't, don't think that you've got it, but just keep in the back of your mind that today was a good day. I mean, any day yeah, fishing, you got to sit there and be humble and be like, you had a good yeah. day, whatever happens, happens. Where there is that other little yeah. guy on your shoulder that's like, I did better than everybody else. This is mine. <laughs> well, it was because uh, I know how I am. Like, I'm getting hyped up about something, and then the, just the devastation where those, some of those tournaments where you're like, <laughs> man, this is a great day. And then all of a sudden, someone walks in there with like 90 something inches, and you're like, what happened? And where was this guy the entire time? Um, I can't look stand at some guy feeling. sandbag. Exactly, sandbaggers. Yeah. I hate sandbaggers. I cannot stand yes, people it, that it's wait so until the clock goes off to like. Why? I don't know what you gain from it. Yeah, it, and honestly, I like I think my the biggest thing that frustrates me about that is a lot of those guys don't understand that your directors are now having to rush through all that to get those fish checked, scored. And then make sure that everything's done by the weigh-in. And the people that wait on that, and there's 30 minutes now, you've got five guys that just uploaded five fish. And some of these tournaments, there's only two or three people, if that, checking fish. Oh, I understand. I, I tournament do, do tournament director for Bass Nation for Alabama. And yeah. we were on Smith Lake this year. And now part of it was Tourney X turned off early on me. Uh I had two tournaments going at the same time. Somehow one of them cut off early. Probably my mistake, but I didn't... I don't know how I missed it. But it turned off like 30 minutes early, whatever. Um, they text me. Everybody's letting me know. I run to town to get signal. And I, I've, I've scored tons of tournaments by myself. Usually, like you said, you have those 10 to 25 fish after the yeah. end sometimes. I had 88 fish that came in in the oh last Lord. 30 minutes. And I did it by myself sitting in a gas station parking lot, Wi-Fi. And, like, you talk about, and, like, everybody was, you know, worried about time. So we did it, like, in the tournament, you know, uh, last call for pictures. And then, boom, 10 minutes yeah. later, we were going to do awards. And it's I sat in that gas station parking lot for 40 minutes. Just click, 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 you click, were. click, click, click. I mean, yeah. That's you the only frustrated. time I've ever done it. And I was like, <laughs> damn, I wish I had someone else doing this or some help, you know. Normally, it's not... For me, it's because like I, I'll stick with it. Like if a, one of the clubs here wants uh, me to score a tournament, 
you know, I'll just leave it up. You know, I'll be at the house getting stuff done and I'll make sure I just come periodically check just to keep it going. Yeah. Never been a problem. That one, I don't know if I'll ever score one by myself again if there's more than 30 people in it because that was ridiculous. It was 61 anglers and I think it was like 180 fish caught or something like that. It was a lot of fish, but. And yeah, no, I, I hate to say that. it, but that could be like, um, that could be the difference whether or not someone wins or not because someone screwed up. I mean, as simple yeah. as, I mean, yeah. and not saying that it's a, a you screw up, it's a their, their screw up. And because you're going through it, trying to do what you can, I mean, you just never know what can happen. So that's another reason it kind of frustrates me because it's like, you know, take, take these guys into consideration. They do enough already. Um, yeah, don't make them and like me rush too bad. I don't want to be that come from behind win that you never saw coming. The Like, yeah. I don't want you to see the board go off with me zero and then I beat you. I want to wire to wire beat you, or I want you to see that I'm quarter inching my way up to you because yep. that's going to make you sweat. Like, I yeah. will cause you to screw up just by putting the pressure on you. I, that's how I want to beat somebody. Yeah. You know, I want them to know I was coming for them. And yeah, it's exactly. the same guys that sandbag every time, everywhere. Yep. Like, I, national trails local trails you know who's going to do it they, and they're yeah. always going to do it because there's no i mean there'll never be a rule against it i don't think because i mean it doesn't hurt you know yeah i mean even though us directors would probably argue that and say yes no it stresses me out a little bit <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but anyway so yeah no I, I feel you man i'm sitting there wondering if you won you got a bunch of hammers in this tournament with you but uh continue on man well Actually, yeah, so I step back. You, you didn't tell me yeah. about this uh, twenty and a quarter. Yeah, so um, twenty and a quarter. That one came big old um, spot. Um, I, yeah, I had two back to back seventeens, and they they came up, started firing away top water, and I cast that stick out there, and as soon as it hit the water, he just crushed it, and it was um, I I knew it was a big one because the ones there, they just, they fight, of course. Um, and I, I was using a medium spinning reel. That's smaller baits. I like to, to use rod. a medium spinning reel. Yeah, yeah, he was putting in work that day. He caught a lot of fish. <laughs> and um, I have to say, that was the first tournament I fished with that rod. Um, I was very impressed with the rod. And, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was a St. Croix. It's the, the Legend Extreme um yeah it's their carbon fiber probably it is a favorite rod it's not for everybody because it is expensive but on a day like that day when when they were biting it when you're pulling it to the schools if they weren't grabbing it immediately like you couldn't feel anything but a light take and yeah. having that rod with the sensitivity that it does that made the difference because you'd be reeling it and not even realize that there's something on there um, because when they hit it, they're not, they don't always just dive down. Um, so I, I, for me, that was the, the biggest thing for me was the, the couple that I caught that were just light ticks and you would think that maybe they were just bumping it. They'd have it and they were just, yeah. Um, so, but he, he got it and I, I fought him for a good bit, but as he comes up, he's just thrashing everywhere and, just spitting bait out left and right. And the bait was that two inch and three inch size. Um, and I know a lot of people for 
Lake Lanier, they're like, oh, you know, four inch, five inch. They like to throw the, the four inch contact. And I'm a fan, but um, that easy shiner was the ticket for yeah, sure. Man. You know, you if you ever, you know, this is a tip for anybody that's fishing. If you pay attention when you're just outfit, even if you're just fun fishing to, to the bait, like how often, I mean, it's different for different areas. Like I've seen some giant thread fin on Del Hollow, you know. Yeah. But. Typically, when you find bait, I mean, they're little shiners. When you catch a fish and it spits them up, they're hardly ever over three inches. And, you know, yeah. like, you talking about using the easy shiners on a little jig head, uh, one of my go-tos last year was the uh, Mega Bass Okashira head. Little bitty jig head with that little weird spinner on it, and I'd put a two-inch yep. Kypec on it or an easy shiner. And you, I mean, people would think, you know, some people think that small bait, small fish, no, like, no. everything wants it. <laughs> like, yeah well and uh, in times i throw an underspin a lot um oh yeah but i swear i think sometimes and this should just be me like i can throw in a school and i can pick off one or two on an underspin and then it's like they'll just stop immediately it's like they they key in on it and they're like yeah something don't look don't look normal about that i don't, yeah. I don't know what it is um but for me that day it was like i'm, I'm going with something small and kind of focusing on that um but yeah i got him in and uh, after him that's when it all just kind of died out i mean every bit of it just they stopped busting and there was a couple of boats that came in there but they would work the banks and then just leave there was probably four boats that worked the banks and then just left they never even went into the ditch and did anything so which i'm okay with no it's great you're like I don't know why this time of year you wouldn't check back off. I mean, I like to fish the bank, so God knows I'd have at least tried it, but yeah, I'm yeah, also yeah. smart enough to be like, okay, no, they're not here. You know, it's freezing. You know, they're it's not the right time of year, you know. But, uh, you know, going back to the, the rod, you're talking about, you know, super expensive. Um, anybody that's getting into fishing, you know, buy what you can afford um, and, you know, don't live by what some people say. You know, they say it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. Well, really nice arrow helps, you know? So, yeah. Yep. I used to be the guy that, you know, I'd buy the combos at Academy, you know, whatever was a good little hundred dollar deal. And they work. I mean, I still have some of that stuff like the Abu Garcia Black Max. Oh, yeah. Something about that. You can't kill those things. Like, yeah. I still keep one with me just in case. If, like, there's something <laughs> sketchy that needs to be done, that rod mm-hmm. reel comes out. But, uh, yeah. you know, first time someone lets you check out a high-end rod, it'll, like, really change your whole mindset on it. The first time you, like, a buddy of mine, we were frog fishing, which is something you don't think about sensitivity-wise. You know, most time it's visual. So, yeah, I was fishing a frog, same frog. He was using a Shimano uh, Corrado setup and a uh, Dobbins. And we swapped rod and reels. And like being able to feel it switch directions, you know, yeah. not even look at it. You can feel it switch. You know, if something, if you're looking, not paying attention and something just does that, my favorite way they eat it, where they just suck it down from below and it just disappears. Like at night, you can't see it. Oh yeah. You feel it though. And there's yep. tons of times that you may have just thought you got snagged up on something. So you didn't set the hook. So you're just trying to pop your frog loose. But that, moving up the you know sensitive rod 
just it's a different level and i'm a believer now like the reels you need nice reels but i'll spend yeah. way more on a rod than a, i don't i still don't really understand like a 400 dollars reel my 100 150 reels i mean even my i do have one bougie reel you know my Corrado dc is 250 and it's really nice but shimano slx dc is the same thing for 170 bucks yeah um, yeah but the spend the money on the rods Anybody yeah. that's getting into this, taking it somewhat serious, do yourself one favor this year. Buy you one nice rod, you know, hundred and fifty. At least one. Just yeah. one. Try it. And then, you know, you'll get a credit card and get the rest of them or something. Like that's how it happens. But <laughs> Well, and I never thought about it, but like when I started fishing a drop shot, that's what they said. They're like, Look, a lot of times you will never feel that fish grab that bait. And it's just a matter of having you need the right tools for the job and i good think rod, having rig. yeah i mean you just you have to invest in certain things and i'm I'm a believer now um i like the victory that was the my drop shot rod that i was using from st croix and that's their just, newest one phenomenal rod yeah um, yeah i haven't checked those out yet i'm a i'm a dobbins guy like through and through yeah every, i think every on our rod i own now but like one is a dobbins and it's just because i haven't replaced it yet but yeah. uh Good the St. Croix stuff's nice. Like those legend, uh, the legend glass rods are. Oh yeah, yeah. They're really cool. Really, a lot of people, uh, you know, people that don't know too much to look at them, they're like kind of bulky. No, first time you lean into a fish on one of those, man, that's it feels different. Rod. Different, and yeah. <laughs> I know a hundred percent. Like I went from I would fish a crankbait, and I was okay with fishing a crankbait. It was like, eh, it's okay, but I miss a lot of fish on it. And then they're like, hey, why don't you try this glass rod? I'm like, why would I even try that? And then trying it, and then I caught so many more fish. And same thing with my chatterbait. I use a glass rod for my chatterbait, and I catch so many more fish now on both those baits. And a lot of it's having the right tools. And they just, when they load up on that glass, it feels different, and the rod does what it's supposed to. It's not you doing what you're supposed to with a rod a lot of times. It's, it's allowing the rod to work. Yeah. So That, uh. Definitely with crankbaits, I've had a lot of luck with glass. I still haven't got my combo right for chatterbaits yet with a glass rod. Uh, I, I bought a Dobbins Extreme for it, and it's just a little too soft. I can't really punch the hook in with it because that it bend, it's got so much bend. But I t- turned around and took that and put it on deep cranking rod or used it as yeah. a deep cranking rod. Money like that, I was like, oh okay, cool. I'll keep it. Like <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, money well spent on accident. But uh. I'm still a. I like heavy, like a heavy chatterbait rod. No matter what cover. I'm That's fishing, what I throw. I, I like a. I like a meaty rod to really just, you know, pop them. Yep. But but I'm I'm guilty of those. Like you know, it could be a 12 inch fish. I'm gonna give it the old hero hook set. You know, I'm gonna reel oh, down cause. over and. Whatever. It looks cool. <laughs> it feels good too, especially when it you're having good. a rough day. That first bite. Ooh, I'm wrecking. Yeah. You. Like. <laughs> oh oh yeah. The, it, there's something to be said whenever you're fishing, and for me, it's a matter of boat, when a fish hits it, and the timing of you setting it, and everything just lines up the way it's supposed to, there's no feeling. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's, for me, it's the best feeling that there is out there when it comes to, to fishing. So uh, I think my, my favorite thing about it is, like you said, that feeling, and then it's like a roller coaster of feelings every, every hookup, every cast, man, because it's like... You hit this high because you, oh, I'm on. And then it's another high. Oh, it's big. And then it's a low. Oh, damn, he came off. But it's just like, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Gosh, I bet you if there was a statistic they could do, I bet fishermen are like the highest percentile of the people with heart problems. I would guarantee it. <laughs> it caused by it's causing it. I know it. Oh, well, uh, back to the tournament though. So, you know, uh, leaderboard was off. You weren't sure. Uh, and uh, we have you here, so we all know that you won. How, how'd it go? Yeah. Um, so from there, from, from 1257, I didn't catch a fish for the rest of the day. Um, I started slowly making my way back to the ramp, fishing kind of the same water. Um, I could, you could feel the temperature start dropping tremendously outside. Mm. I wanted to make sure that I got back in time, make sure that I was off the water and nothing happened to my drive. So, because I mean, the wind was still blowing. Um, did you have that so I get back where the wind was blowing in your face one way and then you turned around and it was blowing in your face again because God just felt like doing that? Uh, you know, it was one of those where you'd get to certain areas and it'd be blowing at you, but most of the time it was just blowing me into the bank. So, um, yeah, it was it was just one of those like, well, you know, I guess it's better than, uh, than it being blowing my face. So I'll take that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, so, but the, the rain held off. Um, I get back to the ramp, and uh, of course, I get back to the ramp, and all the bass boats are pulling up to the ramp as well. And it's like, all right, well, I guess we're going to sit here and let them unload and uh, let them do their tournament thing. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm, uh, my wife was watching the leaderboard and keeping up with it. And of course, I looked at it at like, I guess, 228, 229. And I was still, I guess, three, well, four or five inches ahead. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Um, Nothing like a good five-inch lead because in our sport, yeah. that's a good comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so within that last hour, I was like, well, there's only an hour left. Maybe the bite will just continue where it's at. Um, I know guys were catching fish, but they just they were making small upgrades, nothing major. And honestly, I didn't – I didn't know anything about it except for whenever I got back to the ramp and I get to the weigh-in, I talked to Tom and uh, Tom said he didn't make any more advancement. So I was like, okay, well, I feel good about that. But there's a couple of other guys about about him that could have, that could have jumped. So, um, but they started, they started reading off the the leaderboard as we get there and uh, I was feeling better, better about it. And, I got big bass because it was a, a roll down. My uh, my second biggest fish was 18 and a half. And I think the other Josh, his was maybe 17 and a half. 17 and a, 17 and a quarter. Josh would do. 17 and a quarter. Yep. Um, there ain't nothing that'll make you more mad than losing big bass to a second fish. Let me tell you. <laughs> right? Like, I didn't, and honestly, there's been a couple of shows I've fished with that are, that are like, oh, it's done by timestamp. So whoever caught the biggest first is the one who gets mm. big bass and it's like oh, okay and then there was another one they're like oh it's based off of whoever has the most total inches and then i kid you not i fished another one that it was like oh you guys caught the same size bass oh you split it and i'm like huh like so sorry <laughs> Pardon. yeah so this is four total uh different hey you got big bass this is how you get paid um so from that, whenever they, they get a third place, they call out Tom. And Tom sat in second behind me the whole day. And when they called his name for third place, I was like, 
Uh, oh crap! <laughs> someone did make it. Someone did make a move, um, and uh, that was like, all right, well, we'll we'll see what happens. And then they called Dylan's name uh, for second place, and it was like, okay, this this feels good now. This is it. it, it yeah, it's like sky opened up. It was uh, it was a great moment because Lake Lanier is probably one of my favorite lakes to fish. Um, I'm on the dugout staff. It's their tournament, so it just kind of another little staple i guess you'd say so oh, yeah, uh, no. it was it was a feel-good moment where it was just like all right that this is what it's about so oh no dude uh, you know you earned it you uh you slid in right there with a, a roll down but you 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 did what all of us hope we could do in that situation is to go out and like show that you deserved that spot so you know congrats to you because you did and like you said uh thank you our man Josh had 88 and a quarter to win it with that 20 and a quarter big bass. Uh, Dylan Lowry was second place with 83 and three quarters. He had like a four and a half inch lead, which is, that's money. Uh, Tom Kazmierski, who is, you know, that's someone, that's a force to reckon with again. Uh, 83 yeah. and a quarter. Um, my man from down here, John Bubba Jones, uh, fourth place with 80 and a half. Congrats to him. And then fifth place with Joseph Guyton with 80 and a half. So it was only five people in the 80s, uh, a few right outside of the 80s. But, you know, getting that close to 90 this time of year, especially spotted bass, I feel like oh, that's a great day, you know. I felt good about it. I, I would. Man, definitely one you can hang your hat on. And, I mean, outside of – I mean, you can even hang your hat on that. Yeah, my legs are a little more muscular just because of the, <laughs> the, the boat. You know, I, I, made it, I made it happen. But – uh but yeah, man, congrats to you on that, and congrats to Dugout for another uh, excellent uh, little fun side series and the championship. And you, I'm sh- sure you took home a pretty pretty good little little check. And uh, have, yep. any, have any cool giveaways that went with this one, or was it just payout? No, so it was um, it was 150 for Big Bass, and it was 711 for first place. Nice. And then we had the choice between a Jackson kayak or a Newport motor with two 60 amp Dakota lithium batteries to power it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I chose the Newport and uh, yes, that. <laughs> we'll be getting that installed hopefully this week. So, uh, but, I'm, uh, I'm part of the new canoe team and that company partners with us. Um, I've been watching that company come from out of nowhere for a while now. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard any bad things because at first what everybody was complaining about was not having the battery pack like a Torquedo, but yeah. you don't realize what that gives you the range to do. You know, you hook up. Yep. I mean, I know guys running twin 100s that are God knows what kind of distance you can get with that before you kill one. But like killer yeah. systems, they're, apparently they're not too loud. Um, like the first 403s were notorious for being kind of loud. 403 ACs are quieter. The 1103 is silent, but the uh, the Newports are supposedly pretty quiet. Uh, run real good. Those Dakota batteries will do you great. So that's a cool cool. So do you do you run any kind of motor setup now, or are you just strictly pedaling? Um, I was running an XI3. Um, so when I had my my pursuit, that's what I ran was my XI3. And when I picked up the Hobie, I just I pulled it over to the Hobie and was using it on the Hobie. But I found myself mainly with the speed, the um, the speed of the XI3 was like right at four miles an hour. Well, I was getting that out of my pedal drive anyways. 
and it was just something extra I was having to take with me. And it was like, you know what? Yeah, it was more weight and the spot lock worked great. But with that drive system, the way that it operates with the 360, like that is your spot lock. I mean, it, it just, it performs. It's almost overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'll use the new port to get from A and B and then use yeah. my drive once I get there. Um, so, and luckily enough, that drive didn't break made it back and everything was good You're the lucky so, ones uh, man you know, well, nothing against hobie or anything but i you hear a lot of it's never like a brand new hobie 360 breaks or anything but you i've heard tons of stories about them coming apart you know not being able to rotate not pedaling anymore getting loud all that stuff so glad it worked out for you and you didn't have to paddle that one. <laughs> oh yeah and you know i for i can i've come more or less from a manufacturing style background where it's like you know if it's mechanical it's gonna break it's just never when it breaks um but i've seen some stuff that these guys do to these drives toss them in the back of the trucks just i mean more or less hey it's a tool we're just gonna talk it here this is where it goes and uh, i mean literally it's I guys it toss it on the pavement. well and i have to a point where but now it's like i i know i can't just grab a, a hobie drive and throw it on the pavement because something's gonna break um <laughs> so, and, and I've seen guys do it. They just grab it and they'll toss it up on the pavement. It's like, uh, you realize how much money that is? And if that breaks, like, it's like you can be a little price upset. Of the boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The price of the boat now. Um, but. Yeah. So, but I mean, either way, I mean, it, it did like it was supposed to do. And um, we were able to, I, I get back and, uh, Jamie, the guys at the dugout, they take care of me. No issues. Get everything corrected on it. And I mean, yeah. it, it, it's one good thing to have a cool shop that supports you as much as they do because they're there to take care of you. I was so, just about to say, um, man, you know, mechanical failures and things happen, like you said, but it, it's not as big of a deal as if you've got a good support system. You know, people that can help you out, will help you out, and know how to take care of it. Because, like, you know that that's me with i i'm a, i'm a kind of a, a fix it myself guy you know i've always been real mechanically inclined so when people are like oh stay away from this you know it's it might break i'm like cool i'll fix it like i'm yep. okay with it like just, i'll yep. take it anyway <laughs> <laughs> well man yep. uh i appreciate you coming on you uh congrats again on a great event out there uh i'm hoping we'll get to we'll have you back on um winning a hobie or you know a bass event you know nation event whatever you you get into but uh we always like to give our guests a chance to shout out anybody that makes it easier for them to to do this little ride so uh who, who you got behind you um so the dugout bait and tackle uh those are uh, those guys are my my number one sponsor uh they take care of me really well and then i signed almost st croix just at the end of last year Sweet. So those guys do really well, and uh, Fishhead Spin—they're—they're they're another shop that, or another, another sponsor that takes care of me, uh, and I, I work with them as well. So it just kind of everything works out well on that side. So uh, those are my my three top ones. But then we've got One Objective and Rogue Fishing Co. Those guys help me with my brackets on the kayak for the motors, and uh, and then also. The, the phone leash that that thing has saved my butt more times than Market i can get out of park with that yeah yeah i've got uh, i've got like so. three of them just i've got backups i've got his uh yep. 
his little drag strap that I love that thing. Um, yeah. What you got the new one? The one with the cam buckle longer? on it. Oh no! I so don't have yeah, it's, yeah. So it, it hooks up to the front. And it's got a cam buckle on it that you can adjust the length by the cam buckle. Yeah. I'll be calling Mark here in a few minutes. Yeah, it's I, nice. I love his stuff, man. I he uh, I've ran into him a couple times up there at uh, the shop I work with, Music City. He's a great dude. Any, I'll give him a plug for sure. Uh, if anybody's looking for a cool phone tether, catchboard tether, drag strap, anything like that. Give my man over there, Rogue Fish, and Mark a, a look. He makes good stuff, quality gear. I think he's got some cool hats now yeah. too. So check his stuff out. Oh Maybe yeah, that merch. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, another great show. Uh, like always, we thank everybody for following us, uh, giving us a listen. Hope we ha- help make your drives easier, get you through your day at work, whatever's going on. Uh, I think that's it. Well, like I said, we'll see y'all next week and we will, or the, the next show, I'm sorry, will be a, a recap of how things go down at Kissimmee. Hopefully uh, me and the OG Brian will be on the show telling you about how we straight smacked them in Kissimmee. We call it like five, 10 pounders, won a whole bunch of money and then there came home. That's probably not true, but I'm going to hold my head up really high. <laughs> so uh, we thank y'all again well, and we'll luck. see y'all. I appreciate it, brother. Peace out. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters.